The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast taking in every monday nitro from the very first monday nitro through all clash of champions all episodes of thunder all pay-per-views right up until the end of the company in 2001 lots for us to cover at the moment we are still trudging our way through the turgid hulk hogan dominated era of late 1995 but joining me for this journey today and as always is a guy who's not seen a lot of this so, yet again, I feel on certain aspects I have to apologise. Scottish Danny, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing really well, thank you, sir. And there's no need to apologise because I'm enjoying the ride along with you. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, sir? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. It's uh, It's been a bit up and down even in these early days, hasn't it? We've had some great wrestling and some really, really weird stuff. Yes, we have um, some really weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. The episode we are looking at today is the Monday Nitro from November the 13th, 1995. It comes from Jacksonville, Florida. Not live, however. This was recorded the previous week, which may explain a little bit, I suppose, as to why the crowd isn't quite as excitable as in previous weeks, because we've been commenting about how great the crowd have been on these Nitros. This week's was still good, but was it, maybe it was an 8 out of 10 for the crowd as opposed to a 10 out of 10 than what we've been getting maybe, Danny? Yeah, I'll definitely agree. I mean, you can always tell the difference between a live and a taped. No matter how much they try and swindle you, uh, the viewer, you always can tell there's just an energy level, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We start this, well, before we get to that point, I suppose, I'm jumping the gun a bit there. Our TV rating this week for this pre-taped episode of Nitro. Uh, Nitro got a flat 2.0, whereas on the other channel, Vince McMahon's Monday Night Raw, actually won this week with a 2.6 so we're still pretty close pretty close The both shows are kind of nip and tuck for a while aren't they you know alternating who's winning week to week yep it truly is head to head yeah definitely definitely we begin this week with something that fits very much into that kind of weird i suppose <laughs> Uh, the weird side of Nitro so far. I mean, b- b- we get Bischoff, McMichael, Heenan, etc. They're doing the commentary. They're talking about um, WCW talent 
uh, and Japanese talent coming in. They're working with New Japan Pro Wrestling and, and all this sort of stuff, which is really interesting to, to hear about as they go forward. So we get lots of Japanese Japanese wrestlers coming in over the next few months. We then go to Hulk Hogan, who has a message for us from somewhere. I'm not 100% sure. I, mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's in a studio but it looks like it's supposed to be outside somewhere, I think. This was something else, wasn't it, Si? I mean, that took me back to... I mean, that just didn't seem like it was from the 90s to me. It's basically paint a picture for people at home if you've not seen, and I imagine there will be images attached to the tweet and, and the show when, when it comes out. Hogan is dressed in black still, channeling the, the dark side of Hulkamania, apparently, still. But it's also now got a black mask on of some sort to go with his black bandana. And he's got what looks like black face paint on his top lip and around his chin. Looks like maybe he's had some licorice and been a bit dribbly or something, maybe. Or he's, he's spilt his Guinness all over his, himself or something. And then he's yeah. next to this kind of, yeah, yeah, he's next to this kind of weird gravestone looking thing with this spotlight shining from across the side. And that's not even, you know, that all sounds very odd, but that's not even the weirdest part of it. He's got a bloody great sword. I think he was uh, trying to try out and then films uh, to do uh, Zorro, if you remember the mask Zorro. I'll tell you what, you're spot on there. The black bandana, the mask, uh, and so on. It's kind of, I think it is borrowed from Zorro, isn't it? But just yes, in a, slight, a slightly crapper way. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, Hulk Hogan's way and the scary thing is Hulk Hogan had creative control so a lot of if this happened today a lot of people would be blaming the writers but this can be blamed all on Hulk Hogan yeah I mean I get the impression that Hogan and Sullivan because obviously Sullivan was heavily involved in the book in and, and Sullivan was obviously the main guy in the Dungeon of Doom I get the impression that Hogan and Sullivan would have come up with this sort of stuff together. Maybe and I've got no facts to back that up. I've not looked into it, but because it means that Sullivan and his group are involved at the very top end of the card, I imagine they were just happy to run with it. But I mean, he cuts this really strange promo where, I mean, he goes on for a few minutes, but do you know anything that of substance that comes out of it, Danny? Only that uh, he's, managed to get to the dark side and that he's uh coming for the dungeon of doom that's all i was able to decipher from this yeah um i thought that this i was not able to get anything out of this um hulk hogan promo except the fact that he has gone to the dark side and that he's after the dungeon of doom uh how about you sir yeah that's kind of well i suppose the biggest thing would be sting i guess after what happened on the previous episode where Luger came out and spoke to Sting, and obviously Luger is Dungeon of Doom now. So Hogan's asking, where's Sting's head at? Is it with Luger? Is he friend or foe? And very quickly, it just kind of escalates into lots of ranting and shouting and waving this sword around and just just nonsense. It's absolutely insane, isn't it? It really is. It really is. But... But after that, we go to the ring for our first match of the night. And it involves two guys who I tend to think normally can produce s some good stuff. We have Meng taking on Randy Savage. So oh, that was something else Hogan was on about, wasn't it? Savage is going to bring him the head of Meng, apparently. With that sword, I'm not bloody surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Meng comes out to, it, to his normal theme, accompanied by Kevin Sullivan in his little yellow dressing gown. And 
looking. Uh, I, I can't put my finger on what it is. I think maybe it's because he's too colourful in the red and the yellow. But he doesn't yeah. come across. He doesn't come across as a scary dude, does he? No, he doesn't. You're completely right with that. Um, he might as well have come out in a lime green uh, bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> he looks. He looks almost like he's. I don't know, too cartoony, too colourful, and and so on. Like he could be, he could be a baby face because he is. So I mean, if he was dressed all in black, maybe I know that's a very simple sort of stereotype to to put on a wrestling gimmick, isn't it? But if he was dressed all in black, the same way Hogan has been dressed all in black to to sort of cope with the dark side, would that not maybe make a bit more sense? Yeah, it really would. I mean, uh, you would think that, but this is WCW after all, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. I suppose uh, this match between Meng and Savage doesn't last particularly long. I mean, obviously, we need to save time for Hulk Hogan to ramble on about nonsense, don't we? Uh, but Meng comes out, stands there with Kevin Sullivan, awaiting Savage's arrival and Savage music hits. Savage comes through the crowd and attacks them from behind. Now, he jumps and gives... Meng a big knee to the back. Meng then falls forward and bangs into Kevin Sullivan. Did you see how hard Meng banged into Kevin Sullivan? Oh, it was brutal, wasn't it? I mean, I, I wrote down as well. Um, I found it interesting that Savage is being billed from the dark side of Venice Beach, California now as well, playing up to that gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Well, we saw a bit of the dark side of Venice Beach, didn't we? With the bloke with the guitar and the rambling fella that we were on about the other week, so... I'd, I'd rather avoid that, to be honest. I don't want to visit yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. So, I mean, Kevin Sullivan suffers a severe case of whiplash as Meng smashes into the back of him. And then, you know, Sa- Savage is in control of the match. But eventually, Meng takes control himself after Sullivan distracts Randy Savage uh, until Meng misses a top rope splash. And then Savage wins with his fantastic looking top rope elbow. And then the Dungeon of Doom will pile in the ring and start beating up savage and attack his one arm and so on and we go to a break it's obviously just built more more storyline more more advancing tales ahead of matches that are coming up really danny isn't it yes it really is um i, I expected uh the dungeon of doom to run in sooner but i'm glad they waited till at least we got a clean finish so it was top marks from for me luger looked like he was wearing his pajamas did you notice this Yes, he did. It was the uh, kind of like baggy trousers, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, with, a, with the same sort of top as well. It's like, you know, it looks like he's just off, just off for a kip or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. t- no, I was going Go to on. say, with um, the backstage politics of WSW, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, went for a kip. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. The, the We then go to a break and we come back to another match. And this is one that I was really interested in, in talking to you about, Danny, to be fair. We have Chris Benoit, and he is wrestling against Kanzuki Sasaki. Now, are you aware of Sasaki at all? I've heard the name, but no, I've not seen uh, any matches outside of this. Okay. I, I've seen a couple. I mean, I'm not exactly, you know, I, I'm not like, say, um, our good friend Mr. Mags and, and other people who are incredibly, you know, have a broad knowledge and incredibly well informed when it comes to Japanese wrestling and so on. But this guy here, Sasaki, he, he actually was one half of the Legion of Doom as power warrior in 1992, tagging with Hawk whilst animal was out injured still. And he's also got quite the pedigree when it comes to championships. He's apparently the first man to hold, I suppose what you might refer to as the three main titles in Japan the IWGP Championship from, from New Japan, all Japan's Triple Crown. 
he held, and the 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 big belt, the top belt in in Noah as well. So he's obviously got some pedigree here, and he looks the part as well to me. That jacket looks cool. He's got the kind of crazy nineties style uh, shaved sides haircut. But then he, they play this really horrible, stereotypical Japanese music to get him to the ring. It's just, it's just again, such a wasted opportunity for me. Yeah, 100%. After you giving them that great build-up, um, yeah, the music just kind of killed it, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It's a shame. It's a shame. But what didn't kill it was the match itself. Despite only being given a couple of minutes here, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was hard-hitting. I thought it was very New Japan-esque style. You know, I, I, I refer to New Japan-esque, meaning like sort of in the last few years of New Japan, because I'm not, again, I've not got a massive back catalogue of knowledge on New Japan. So to me, you know, New Japan recently hard-hitting and so on style. It just needed a bit more time. I mean, eventually Benoit wins with, with his Dragon Suplex uh, pinfall um, bridge attempt effort. He's won a few matches with already. But that's it. That's the end of the match. I mean, it was only a couple of minutes, Danny, but what did you think? I enjoyed this match. You could tell both really like kind of wanted to wrestle each other, especially Chris Benoit, because he had the um, uh, love for the Japanese way of working as well. Um, yeah, like you said, a little too short, but um, enjoyable all around. Yeah, yeah. I wish they'd been given more time. I really do. But at the end of this, we get a comment of from Eric Bischoff kind of says something that was a throwaway comment. But it really stood out to me. It really, you know, it, it, the way Bischoff delivered the line was very much a case of, oh, this is just the way things are. But it was like a, a, a bolt from the blue for me. Benoit, I might add, this is the quote from Bischoff, Benoit, I might add, the newest member of the Four Horsemen. I was like, what? When did that happen? Is that it? They're just going to announce him as being in the Horsemen? They're not going to just just in a throwaway match? No, you know, I mean, at the moment, he doesn't look like, like he's in the Horsemen. He's come out on his own wearing tights that resemble what Irma Furman wore in Kill Bill. And it's like, all of a sudden, now, oh yeah, he's, he's one of the horsemen now. It, again, it just seems like a real wasted opportunity. It really was, wasn't it? It was like no big ceremony, no nothing, um, unless we missed something on Saturday night. But I don't think we did, because he kind of just announced it there. Yeah. Do you want to start watching Saturday night every week, Danny? We can go for it. I mean, <laughs> we've oh, got mate, I, was, time. I was I was saying that I was saying that's so tongue in cheek. I was hoping you were going to go no chance. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's on the WWE Network. Is it at least? Um, yeah, there's quite a bit of it, quite a bit of it on there. Yeah, quite a bit of it. Um, the, the WWE Saturday nights from a few years before this are really good. A '92 and so on. When Rude was there, Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes, that that Barry Windham, all that sort of time. They, those are some great shows. They're worth checking out. But yeah, there we go. Benoit completes this this incarnation of the Four Horsemen, I suppose. So, yeah, a bit of a shame, bit of a shame. But there we go. We have another match straight after, and it's a TV title match, which is great because, you know, I'm all for the TV title being defended on TV as often as possible. To me, that's the purpose of it, I guess. And we have the champion, our good friend Johnny B. Bad, and he's taking on Eddie Guerrero. Now, they say there's a 10-minute time limit to this match. And the match goes the time limit, but they only only wrestled for nine minutes. That's that was just it. Insane. insane. There's a whole sixty seconds wrong. <laughs> Someone can't tell the time. Um, it's Johnny B. Bad's first title defense since he won the belt from Diamond Dallas Page at Halloween Havoc. Uh, obviously, Guerrero is top top class. 
and loads of stuff happens in this match that, that I deem as impressive. I mean, talk us through a bit of it, Danny, what your thoughts, what you, what you reckon the match was, how, how good it was and so on. There was a lot of great chain wrestling to start off with. Um, the locking up was crisp. Um, we got a lot of like arm drags and things like that. But the thing, the biggest thing that um, pointed out to me was in the entrance, Mongo McMichael said that Johnny B- Mongo McMichael pointed out that Johnny V. Bad had no confetti gun. So could this be the turn, the beginnings of a heel turn? Do you think? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of that. So I don't know, because I always think of Johnny B. Bad as the... He's always, like, you know, he always opens the pay-per-views. He's very charismatic. He's got the glitter again. He's got this, he's got that. The crowd love him. And it was that way for years and years and years. I don't remember him having a heel run, but it might be... You might be right. It might just be one of those occasions, again, where my mind has just kind of blocked it out, maybe. But Or he yeah, could have right. just forgotten his gun. Well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> Yeah, just left no, lent up against his locker somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. Um, but no, it was a really good match overall. Um, yeah, I enjoyed uh, the ending, and I enjoyed that they um, shook hands afterwards. That was pretty cool as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of stuff happening. I mean, Johnny B. Bad's got a really impressive leg drop from over the top rope and so on that he pulls off. That, that That's amazing. The, the top rope sunset flip it, he does is, is incredible as well. Um, the bad day, I think he calls it, where he flips in over the rope as well. I mean, this isn't a small man. And Johnny B. I mean, look, Eddie Guerrero, we know how great Eddie Guerrero is. Johnny B. Bad obviously goes on to be Mark Miro in in the WWF. And he didn't really have much charisma. He didn't really do much in his WWF run that was memorable. Here, I'm watching the guy, and I'm thinking, this guy's an absolute star. Because this match is fantastic. He's got so much charisma, it's literally pouring out of him. The crowd love him. What went wrong, you know? I agree with that, yeah. I mean, in the WWF, I mean, what went wrong was um, him being overshadowed by his wife. But here, definitely, I can see all your points here. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Eventually, the match ends with, with the time limit expiring. Again, a minute too early, but it is what it is. They are carry on brawling for a while there's a bit of a scrap things calm down and then they do shake hands and it is like there is a bit of tension there between them now i'm not sure as to what we're supposed to think of the horseman at this point flair has obviously turned heel but still gets quite a positive reaction benoit is getting a relatively positive reaction from the crowd Um, arn anderson always gets a good reaction no matter what so I'm assuming the Horsemen are supposed to be a heel faction here, but they seem incredibly popular as well. It's, it's a little bit confusing for me as to what we're supposed to exactly be thinking of the Horsemen, but I suppose we might get the answer when they're all together again. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, yeah, I kind of think that's the same way of thinking because um, the, like it's like half baby face, half heel, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. I think, I think maybe because the Horsemen are so historic, they kind of get that reaction from the crowd and that respect from the crowd and so on so yeah yeah there we go there we go we then get the announcement from the commentary team that hogan will be on nitro next week and he wants to confront sting so there we go i wonder if he's gonna turn out with his sword yeah i think he will <laughs> just arrives with a massive again you know swords in wrestling we've seen a few of them you know the berserker had one didn't he he, he sort of stabbed the ring when he's trying to effectively kill the Undertaker once upon a time. WrestleMania, just gone. 
Drew McIntyre cut the ropes with a, a, a long extended shiny piece of rubber. And um, <laughs> here we go. Hogan is getting on the act as well. Massive Excalibur swinging around his noggin. He wants Sting, apparently. Yes, and he will get him by the looks of that uh, promo from earlier. But as just one quick point on, on the swords. I wonder if the sword Drew McIntyre has is the same sword that Hogan had here since WWE acquired all of WWE's assets. Could be the oh, same mate. one. I hope that's true. I, I, it's not going to be, but I hope that is true. I hope the Vince McMahon was just walking around the warehouse one day, saw it next to like an old nitro sign and uh, Johnny B. Bad's glitter gun just pre pressed against the side. Oh, look at that. Look at that sword. Dusts it off and we'll give this to Drew. He'll look like a proper Celtic warrior now. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Coming soon to Porn Stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Mean Gene Oakland then and he is with the giant Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan. I've got literally one note here about this whole promo, this whole segment. It's, it literally is two question marks and then it just says bollocks after it. That, that I can completely understand. Um, I wrote down, um, I hate the giant's silly cartoonish voice and that he's still using it uh, even this far into his career. I thought he would have dropped this after he was supposedly killed. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is very sort of cartoon villain isn't it it's very kind of you know how like the bad guys in scooby-doo or the old turtles cartoon when i was a kid how the bad guys used to talk in that that's a cartoon over the top growly voice sort of effort you know yeah yeah it, t it definitely is i mean it's on brand for the 90s but maybe not on brand for if you're trying to book a serious wrestling angle no and he doesn't need to either i mean I don't think the big show, you know, Paul White, the giant, whatever. I don't think he's ever had an issue with being able to talk. I don't think there's ever really been a problem with, even in these early days when he's doing this silly, you know, forced cartoony voice. I don't think there's ever really been an issue with him cutting a promo, but at the same time, he's seven foot tall. He's pretty put together here. He's not put the excess weight on or anything. Like that. He's pretty put together. He's got this long mane of flowing hair. He can do a drop kick and a few other moves as well, which is incredible for a man his size. He doesn't need to say much to me. And also, you've got Kevin Sullivan with him, who can do his talking. Because one thing Sullivan's great at, it may be absolute nonsense he's rambling, but the guy can talk. Definitely. He he's, um, has this... I mean, you're right. I mean, the big show, Paul White, he's never had a problem cutting a promo, but it's just this voice is killing me, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd be more than happy... For, for Sullivan just to do the talking for him, you know. I Sullivan be... is. I was going to say Sullivan, Sullivan is probably the same size as the Giants' voice box. <laughs> yeah, or something. I mean, the Giant at this stage in his career, he smokes, you know. And we'll see at some stage he comes down to the ring a few times smoking a cigarette. And I mean, first of all, it looks like a tiny little candy stick in his hand because his hands are so gigantic. But I imagine the Big Show when he wakes up in the morning as a smoker, coughs up things bigger than Kevin Sullivan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. There we go. Um, we have Dean Malenko versus Sting next. And this is basically our main event of the evening. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm really, I was really looking forward to this. When I saw this was billed for the show, Dean Malenko versus Sting, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Sting, a couple of things on Sting here. He's not carrying the United States title again. It's not a good year for the US Championship here, I don't think. Sting's not even bringing it to the ring with him. 
he's not announced as a US champion, if my memory serves me correctly. It, I don't like that because it devalues your championship. And when a, a name like Sting is holding one of the mid-card championships, in theory, it should elevate the title. And then that means when a, a more, I suppose, mid-card level talent wins it, in theory, then that should elevate them. And it goes on like that. That's In my mind, that's how it works anyway. Sting's also starting to lose a lot of the blonde. He's growing his hair out quite a bit here, isn't he? He really is. Um, just going to the belt's point of view, um, did you ever hear the story about Chris Jericho and the Intercontinental Championship? No, go on. Well, um, if a wrestler forgot their title belt at a hotel or something like that, which I think happened with Sting here, do what Chris Jericho did and just take the women's championship and just walk to the ring with it, uh, face facing you, and then um, hope no one notices. Brilliant. That's amazing. I, I didn't know that happened. Oh, yeah. I think it was 2008 or 2009. But, um, yeah, oh. I remember that being report all around the dirt sheets but yeah i mean i completely understand your point about the the them not coming the champions not coming out with the belts it's just like why yeah yeah that's it it, it, it just it baffles me absolutely baffles me but there we go it's ww isn't it i suppose um mongo here is just burying dean malenko about his height and general size and weight and so on it makes no sense why would you destroy the talent that's in your main event. That you, and by the way, someone who is an incredibly talented wrestler, why would you bury someone all, over their size? And to me, okay, Milenko's not as big as what you might envisage as a typical professional wrestler. So if that's an issue he has, you don't point it out. No, I totally agreed. I mean, I just watched uh, the Milenko brothers versus the British Bulldogs um, from the 80s and he is such an incredible worker. I never understood why people bury him and why he gets the hate he deserves. Um, for instance, do you remember in Bret Hart's book he just absolutely tore Dean Malenko to shreds and about his size and things like that? When I mean, he was incredible, wasn't he? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I mean, the Bulldog himself, he wasn't a particularly tall fella. The Bulldog was only 5'11", but he, was, he had the muscle and the, the broadness, didn't he, and so on. But in the land of the giants, which is what WWF is often referred to as, a lot of the guys from there came over to WCW with Hogan. So even someone like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, he's come over to WCW. Duggan's a huge man. But when he's around the likes of the giant, um, the big boss man, Hogan himself and so on, Duggan doesn't look that big. But you put him in the ring alongside, I don't know, a Davey Boy Smith or a Dean Malenko, Duggan is massive, massive man. You know, so at this era, it seems a size did matter. But WCW, I think, you can already see it, Danny, I, I believe, that WCW are kind of coming away from that a little bit already. In our, in, even in our early days of this, this watch back we're doing, having the likes of Malenko headline an episode of Nitro, having the likes of Guerrero uh, and, and so on wrestle, and uh, Brian Pillman we see in, in recent weeks as well. It's almost like they've got their main event picture, and their mid-card is made up of something different for other people, which I think is a really good way of attracting new eyes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does, yeah. Um, I'm just happy to see that they've pushed uh, someone like Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit and Brian Pillman to um, these heights where they're working with the big main eventers. It's nice to see. Yeah, exactly. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. I mean, the match itself is is good. Um, again, apart barring Mongo burying... Malenko, 
we get a World War Three ad just before they really get into the action, which, you know, again, incredibly 90s, incredibly colourful, inc- incredibly loud in your face. 60 men, we're told, 20 in each ring, uh, one giant per ring, and the winner is the new champion, the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. I'm starting to get quite excited about this pay-per-view. You know, Same I don't... Here. I can't remember if it's good or not. I, I don't know. And I, I imagine we're setting ourselves up for a fall looking at our track record, but I am starting to look forward to this pay-per-view done. No, definitely. I'm going to listen to the Bang Bang's uh, review of it after this as well, before okay. I watch it. And um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, we're seeing how the card is structured and it's quite exciting, to be honest. Mm, yeah, it's always good seeing something different as well. I mean, 60, I'm not a big fan of Battle Royals, as this week's Chain Wrestling kind of, you know, if anyone heard that, they'd know. I've never been a big fan of Battle Royals themselves. However, the idea of three rings and how it's going to work and, and so on, and I know that this event runs for a few years, so it was must have been a, a decent success. I'm quite intrigued to see what happens. So yeah, that's 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 looking good. That's looking good. It is. Um, just quickly, you said um, well, I said on advert one giant per ring. I wonder yeah. who the other two giants are. Could we see the Yeti return? Oh, How do you see, think? oh, I think the Yeti is in the match as well. I do think he is. So I think <laughs> well, I didn't the... even know that, and I kind of just guessed it. No, I think the Yeti is in the match. And obviously the, the giant is one of the giants, obviously. The Yeti is the other. Who would the third one be? Who's the third band, Si? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, there's another giant as well. I can't remember who it is. But, yeah. I mean, we say that. They're saying there's a third giant. It's WCW. Come the day of the show, you know, card subject to change as plashes all over the advert. <laughs> it's the way they operate, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> okay. The match itself, again, like I said, is, is very good. I mean, Sting's always high energy and exciting to watch anyway. Dean Malenko is so technically sound, he can just have a great match with anybody. We get some impressive German suplexes, one of a bridge from Dean Malenko as well. Uh, Malenko is in control, effectively, match wrestling Sting to take advantage. Uh, Sting misses a stinger splash and Dean Malenko hits a top rope drop kick, which, which looks great. Goes for a cloverleaf. Sting counters into a roll up for the win. Came out of nowhere, didn't it? Just like completely no, no stinger splash, no scorpion deathlock, just Texas cloverleaf, which by the way, I think is a hugely underrated submission maneuver. Goes to Texas cloverleaf and Sting effectively out wrestles the wrestler there. Yeah. Uh, that was, I mean, we, we both knew watching this, there was no way Sting's jobbing out, especially to Dean Malenko at this stage. But um, I, I was excited to see how much offense um, Malenko got in. Mm, yeah, it was good. After the match, we have Sting, I suppose, furthering the issues with Hogan in a promo there, talking about next week. And, and we're basically going to have Sting versus Hogan next week on Nitro is what's been decided. So then there's no build-up to this huge, gigantic contest between two of the biggest names in WCW at this time, two of the biggest names in professional wrestling for several years. It's a case of Hogan swings a sword around, runs his mouth a bit, Sting has a match, runs his mouth a bit, and now they're going to face each other. Kind of hot-shotting it a little bit, aren't we? Seven days' notice, but never mind. Just the way it is, just the way it is. And, and that's kind of the end of the show, Danny. What did you think? I could not believe um, that announcement either. Um, Hulk Hogan and Sting, first time ever, or not on pay-per-view. It actually shocked me, but we'll get into it um, next week on next week's episode. Mm. But yeah, overall, I enjoyed this episode of Nacho. It flew by really fast. Um, 
for me, the match of tonight was definitely Dimalenko and Sting. Um, yeah, and apart from that Hulk Hogan thing, what we'll get into in a minute, I enjoyed it. How did you find the show, Sai? Yeah, overall, I enjoyed it as well, mate. I enjoyed it as well. In fact, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll do it the other way around this week, shall we? We'll go for our hit, miss and middle right away, and then we'll get our woos and our old brothers in before we depart. So hit, miss or middle in, Danny, for this week's episode. I'm going hit on this one. How about you, Sai? Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's enough good wrestling there to to warrant a hit for this one. There's the the segments that were not wrestling, advanced storylines in the right way. I mean, Sting and Hogan feels a bit rushed, but at the same time, they got a pay-per-view in two weeks where both Sting and Hogan are involved in the big battle royal, so they can't wrestle on there, I guess. So in a way, I suppose it does make sense. But yeah, all in all, you know, good matches, advancing the storylines well. It's a hit for me. What about your woos and your O oh brothers, Danny? Brother, 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 brothers, brother, woo! brother. I'm going to go with woos first. Um, okay. And it has to be Eddie versus uh, Johnny B. Bad because I enjoyed the, even though it wasn't the match of the night, I did, did enjoy how the match was structured. Um, well, how about you, sir? Uh, my woo is something very similar to us. It's Johnny B. Bad himself. I, don't get me wrong, Eddie Guerrero always looks great. And this match was a great match and both guys played their part. But I was so impressed with Johnny B. Bad here. I, I think the guy looked like a star, moved like a star, wrestled like a star. This is the best I've seen Mark Miro at any stage in this match. So he he is my woo of the night. What's your oh brother then, bud? It has to be that Hulk Hogan LSD nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was just shocked uh, of how that was structured. What's yours, uh, Si? Uh, you're, you're not going to be surprised to know it's exactly the same thing, mate. It's. I'd, I'd like to know if any young kids from 1995 watched that and thought this was great, or any young kids who, I suppose, for want of a better better term, still believed were still you know in the the influence of kayfabe. I suppose who who believed that wrestling was all still legit. I'd love to know if there's any kids out there listening to the show who watched this and at the time thought it was awesome. Because I'm ultimately, I'm a 41-year-old man looking back on a TV show made 20-plus years ago and laughing at its silliness in places. But it, I'm not the target audience. So maybe we're missing the point and younger people at the time thought it was great. I don't know. I'd be really curious to, to hear anyone's opinions on that, to be fair. Same, same. I mean... Uh... There's a lot of things about that, like uh, that even today's wrestling, you don't, we don't understand. Like, say for me, in, for instance, the New Day, um, but kids absolutely love them. So, mm. if um, if anyone enjoyed this in '95, just please tweet at us at Nacho underscore Nights. Exactly, mate. Exactly. And I suppose you mentioned the Twitter handle there before we depart this week. Do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you, Danny, my friend, and all your fantastic shows and content you're involved in slowly taking over the internet one show at a time aren't you oh thank you so uh, yep you can find me on twitter at scottish struggle you can find me you can hear me on uh, one man's meet with the great chris bellis you can hear me on a change in attitude with the great mags tanner and ori and you can hear me here next week where we'll be talking about sting and hulk hogan uh, where can we find you sir well, before we get to that, I just want to give a couple of those shows a really big plug as well. The One Man's Meat podcast that you do with Chris is superb. 
I mentioned it on Twitter before, but anyone who's not listened to it yet, go and check it out because it's, I mean, it's very, very difficult to do a pro wrestling show, a pro wrestling podcast and make it different to, to what's already out there because there's certain forms of podcast that everyone kind of follows the pattern to, I guess what Danny and Chris are doing with one man's meat is basically looking at wrestlers who maybe don't get the light shone on their career. For example, we've had an episode on test and his time in TNA. Now he was only there for a short period and a couple of matches, but when you hear Chris and Danny talk about it, it shines a huge light on the guy's career what happened with him and his time in TNA and the politicking and so on. It's absolutely fascinating. Listen, it's, it's, it's giving, I suppose, information and shining a light on certain corners of the wrestling world that maybe are left to go dusty and just disappear off into the back of the mind. So I strongly advise people go and check that out because you're going to hear things on that show that you don't hear on your standard wrestling podcast. And also a change in attitude with Mags, Tana, Ori and Danny himself. If you enjoy this kind of format, looking back week by week on Monday Nitro, a change in attitude started quite a bit before us doing the same thing on the WWF side of the coin. So you kind of got the two shows, you know, I look at a change in attitude as almost like our big brother. They are looking at the WWF side, show by show, raw by raw, pay-per-view by pay-per-view, and just chugging along in the timeline. And the mixture of Tanner, Danny, Mags, Ori, and so on, Sometimes it's three, three of the four varying. Sometimes it's all four of them. It's it's just a great mix as well. And I find that fascinating because to me, I would struggle to podcast with three other people because I think there'd be timing issues with me going to talk, interrupting people and so on. I, but it doesn't come across that way on a change in attitude. It just works. I think that's a testament to how great you four all are. So definitely everybody go and check out One Man's Meat and a Change in Attitude 100%. Thank you, sir. No worries. No worries. Yes, and you can find me on Twitter at SJP Words. And if you are on the Book of Face, you can track me down there on SJP All the Shows and Info. That's the group you want to be a part of there. By following me on Twitter or Facebook, you get links to all the shows I'm involved in. The Waiting Room Podcast Season 2 has now started with the glorious Benny Mac discussing Quantum Leap one show at a time. Having great fun looking back on a show that I adored when I was growing up. Uh, similarly, the Doctor Who pod coming to the end of season one now, but there won't be a big gap before season two joins, trust me. And that's with our good friend Dan Griffin. And also Chain Wrestling that I do with Mr. Mags on a Monday evening live via Radio Techers on YouTube and Twitch and so on. And a podcast version comes out later in the week. But all those links and all those shows can be found at SJP Words on Twitter and SJP All the Shows and Info on Facebook. But most importantly, you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. Chuck us a follow. Let us know what you think about this show. Let us know what you think about Nitro, what you're looking forward to, what you're not looking forward to. Give us your own ratings. Tell us your own verdict of these shows. Are they a hit, a middle, or a miss? Let us know. Give us your own woos and oh brothers. It's, fun. it's fascinating to know, and this means a big deal to me, that there are people out there watching these shows along with us, Danny. That's a, that's really humbling to me. So that that's that, that means a great deal. So thank you to everyone who's interacted in recent weeks. Definitely, that means huge. Uh, every time I look at my phone and I see uh, something like that, I'm just blown away. It's like wow. <laughs> 
yeah it's incredible it's incredible just you and me two dozy idiots from the uk talking about a wrestling company that went out of business over 20 years ago and people are interested in listening mate i'm I'm touched it's fantastic anyway that will do for this week's nitro nights and this week's episode of monday nitro we go careering crashing you know swerving ducking and diving into next week's nitro and then world war three on pay-per-view danny it's been an absolute pleasure once again thank you very much my friend thank you sir see you next week (laughs) and to everybody else thank you for listening